Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, Season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, BTOsports.com, proud sponsors of Matt Gerke and Andrew Short on the BTO Sports KTM team. Anything you need for your biker body, use the code PULPMX to save yourself some money. And uh, really, BTOsports.com, the nation's leading online realtor. They've been killing it the last few years. International guys, uh, over a certain amount, they'll ship it for free. Check your pricing on the international stuff, everyone, because uh, sometimes the competitors don't always list it in the U.S. funds, but uh, BTOsports.com does do that. So, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks to those guys for coming on board. And, of course, Fox Racing. Global innovation leader for motocross racewear. Rocks and Dungey, they use the V4 helmet, instinct boot, airspace performance goggle, while in Roxon's case, he does anyways, and 360 racewear to fit adult and youth riders. For more information, check out foxhead.com or visit your local authorized Fox dealer. Happy to have um, the usual suspects on board talking about San Diego. Of course, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, two time German Supercross champion, two time Montreal Supercross champion. Now a. Uh, leading uh, um, hawking hawker in the world of fly racing at WPS, Jason Thomas. Yeah. And uh, the RacerX online editor, the man in charge of breaking news, among other things, the Jason Wygant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, San Diego, come and gone. I, I'm, I guess before we get to the race, while well, this has to do with the race itself, JT, what's the latest with uh, with uh, your guy Chad Reed? Uh, yeah, he went to the hospital last night. Um, you know, we we're there, and he got looked over, and honestly, it was like pretty good news. But you know, we we're not. You know, he wasn't that confident in in you know how thorough they were or anything. But you know, from leaving the track, it was not looking real good. He was in a lot of pain and coughing up blood, and wasn't great. And then. Um, you know they they didn't they couldn't find any breaks so you know obviously that was that was good news and and then he uh, checked out today um, and went up to uh, see some positions that could they could do some more uh, thorough scans and X-rays and all that kind of stuff and found some breaks that he kind of tweeted out there earlier um, but nothing you know nothing displaced and and it's not you know I don't think they're that bad necessarily obviously not good to break anything, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that's dangerous for his health wise. Uh, so I think he's going to give it a shot. Um, I think he's going to have a rough week as far as uh. therapy and pain and stuff, but um, he's going to, he's going to give it a try here. I, I know he doesn't want to give up on this, on this dream. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when you have breaks like this and they're not really that bad, um, it's going to get better week to week, you know? So, 
he can get through these first couple weeks, I think it'll improve a lot as we move forward. It's just going to be, you know, this weekend's going to be rough. Yeah, he said, uh, you know, fractures of the T1 of the scapula and the collarbone, which makes sense considering the shoulder made impact with the ground the face of the next jump. Um, did he just go to a county hospital? Is that sort of why things were looking good? Because it was just some local hospital county guy? No, nah, oh. it was a... Uh... It was a main, you know, uh, trauma one, um, okay. but I, I don't think trauma ones are, you know, really specialized to look, you know, and then a Saturday night crew and there was people coding because it's trauma one. So I just don't think they, they like I said, were really thorough in his yeah. exams. You know, I think they just kind of gave him the once over to make sure that his injuries weren't life-threatening and then they kind of send you on your way kind of deal. They're like, uh, um, so... Um... Mr. Reed, um, you know, you have to take a couple weeks off of work. I don't know if you're a plumber or a roofer. Um, <laughs> right. You know, these things are going to hurt you. Uh, do you he work is self-employed. The, yeah, do you work in the office? Are you an office worker? You could probably do some light work, but no lifting of cardboard boxes, things, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I've been to these trauma one hospitals before, and I, I just think, you know, they deal with life-threatening injuries. That's what yeah. trauma one basically is. So yeah. I just don't think that they – I don't want to say they don't care, but as long as you're not in danger of, uh, you know, <clears throat> passing away, unfortunately, you know, I, I just think that they don't get too much into it. You know, they kind of. Yeah. No, I, uh, I don't know. I don't really know how to put it, but I don't think that they're, as long as you're not going to have a big issue with them, I think they're, <laughs> you know, that's kind of their specialty is saving people's lives, not, you know, specific injuries like that. 1997, I'm sitting in the waiting room in Indianapolis, uh, my rider, Ty Birdwell, compound fractures his toe. And they take him in, and I'm sitting in the waiting room, and it's, geez, it's 1 o'clock in the morning at this point. He did it late in the race. And this family comes in, and they all it's a huge waiting room, and they all sit by me in this waiting room. And, like, there's just, just stretchers and ambulances pulling up nonstop. We're talking downtown Indianapolis, you know, at, at 1 o'clock on a Saturday night. And this family sits down there, and, and – like the doctor comes out and goes, we lost them. There was just too many bullet holes, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like, like they just start crying, and I'm like, I gotta get out of here. Like I'm from Canada, I don't know anything about this. My guy has a hurt toe, you know, and it was really awkward and weird and sitting in this trauma room, like in this waiting room where I'm like, and they're all just obviously upset and crying, and I'm like, oh man, not good. Well, yeah, that that basically happened last night as well. They were. They were working on Chad, and then a guy came in and, and was towed, you know, which is obviously life and death situation, right in the middle of all this. So it was kind of the same deal, you know. Yeah. I think basically on a weekend, a late night, at a trauma one, you're going to run into that all the time. Those people are the real American heroes of this of this world. The military? No. The people who work in those hospitals. Military, too, though. Oh. But Okay. <laughs> um, well, it kind of weeds the Reed's crash. And I posted a YouTube video of JT's reaction upon seeing Chad's crash. Um, it it it, uh, it obviously upset JT a lot, but but for real, it did take the air out of uh, out of a great race between Stewart and Villapoto. There's no doubt. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, it really did. I mean, uh, it's so funny how the Stewart and Reed things always end up being intertwined. But um, you know, this is Stewart's first one of the year. Uh, that's exciting. That's what uh, four winners this season. Uh, you know, he's maybe closing a little bit in the points. Maybe it adds a little bit more hope that you got another title contender. All those things would ordinarily be exciting. Uh, but the Thunder was really stolen 
Bud the Reed thing. Like, I think it was hard for people to walk out of there saying, well, that was awesome. We got a fourth winner. Stewart's in this. This is going to be, in, you know, this could be interesting. Right. Because people are just bummed about Reed. So, Reed was both the star winning last week and yeah. crashing out this week. What did you take from his crash, JT? I watched it a few times today. Um, really, like, on the telecast, they seemed to blame a little bit on Nick Way. He was getting lapped. To me, it was 95% Chad's fault. He got a little crazy. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure where you're getting that from. but Well, um, he starts on the left, and all of a sudden he starts getting bucked. And before he hits Kenny's rear wheel, he's up in the air. He's no feet on yeah, the bike. No yeah, that's, feet on that's the bike. because he's on the brakes. No I'm not f- sure if you. Yeah, but because he got so much speed, he got bucked. He he wasn't he was going he was out of shape before it came up to Kenny or anybody. Like I'm not saying he would have crashed, but he was out of shape and and cutting across into the middle of the track. I, I I'm just gonna disagree. I don't blame um, I don't blame Kenny. I don't blame Nick. I, I just it's it's a racing incident. I'm I'm not blaming either one of them. No, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying you are. I'm not. Saying yeah, that. and I yeah I'm just gonna so we don't get an argument. You know, I'm just gonna give you my take on it. Um, That's what I asked you for. Yeah, no, and I, I just, uh, I felt like you know, Kenny, kind of, and I, I watched it replay slow mo probably a hundred times last night with Chad, and you know, Chad committed up the left side, and Kenny was in the middle, and his rear tire spun, and they kind of came into the same line, and you know, when Chad realized that they were, he was going to run up the back of Kenny, he you know, try to slow down, and that's when you, you – when you try to slow down in whoops, things go real bad um, because your front end drops from hitting the brakes and you get crazy. So, I yeah, I don't – I think it was total racing incident, but, um, yeah, I think saying that Chad got out of control and ran into him I think is a little bit silly. But Chad's, but line, Chad's line changes from the left to the center. I completely disagree with you. Wow. Okay. I watched it yeah. 10 times. Not 100. Yeah, I watched it probably 100. Not 100, but I watched it 10 from the overhead yeah. angle. Chad's on the left-hand side. And all, all the way sudden, down. And all of a sudden, he goes about three whoops in. He seems to gain speed or something happens, and he, he starts drifting to the middle. Do you feel that Roxon moved left at any point? I feel like, yeah, a tad, a tad, a tad. But Chad moved moved, moved to the right significantly, being okay. three to four feet. Or, you know, but when was the last was. time you had a, an eye exam? Uh, well, again, what did you see? From uh, 500 feet away in the press box, uh, oh, first time it happened. Okay, you, I thought, what's that? You didn't what? see the replay? You didn't watch it on TV? Yeah, yeah, I did, oh. I did see the replay, oh. too. Okay, well, I'll just skip the first. My first reaction was, when I saw it happen, I'm like, Dude, he was just going for it. He just wanted to make the pass, so he just came into those whoops even faster because Kenny wasn't quite as quick through there, and he thought, this is my shot. I'm just going to go bonsai through here and get him. And then he went down, and I'm thinking, man, maybe fourth would have been okay. Um, I understand going to the podium. But, man, when I watched it again, first of all, I think the Nick Way thing is ridiculous. Blame it on him. That's just part of racing. You know, uh, we discussed this last week. You can't blame everything on lap traffic. Uh, it's so hard to say. I don't know. I don't know. It's so hard to say. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, if Kenny wasn't there, Chad obviously wouldn't have crashed, so that makes it partially on the other guy. I don't 
everybody's got their theory. I'll just let everybody stick with it. I really, I only watched it nine times, I guess. If you watched it ten, <laughs> and you watched it hundred. I mean, I watched it over and over, and I'm like, well, they're both bucking separately, but is the Kenny bucking causing Reed to buck, and he wouldn't have bucked if Kenny hadn't bucked. If I say buck any more times, I'll probably accidentally say something else. <laughs> I'm watching... Do we agree that putting it on Nick Way is kind of oh, unfair? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm watching it again on my phone right in front of me here because I'm just – Kenny moves a bit, but Chad moves way more. And, you know, and yeah, Nick Way, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't get into that at all. Definitely not. Um, but Chad, but I think JT's point is, yes, Chad moves more, but is he moving more in reaction to the fact that, oh, crap, the guy in front of me is slowing down. I'm going to run into him. Uh, yeah, maybe, or, the, you know, there's, that's looks, the whole there looks like problem. there's, there's looks like there's a bike room, a bike length or bike width to get for Chad to get by. If he does not move, if he doesn't yeah, move to I, his right, there's room. Perhaps. Yeah, I'm watching it right. I'm watching it right now. And they definitely both move. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I, 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 I think it was, it was pure racing. They were both going for it. I just, you know, I, I it came off to me like you were just like blaming Chad for the whole deal. And, and, Obviously, Chad Crash and I, well, you know, he's not blaming anyone but racing. You know, I just, whatever. I, I just didn't know how you were first coming across it. I just think they were both going for it, and obviously, you know, if they would have been side by side, they would have both hit in the frame, but, you know, Chad was obviously behind him, and that's what happens when a rear wheel hits a front wheel, so. Yeah, I mean, one thing we can agree on, it's a racing incident, and it happened classy of Kenny to stop by and check on him. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, like I yeah. said, I don't. I know Chad doesn't blame Kenny at all, and yeah. and it was you know it, it was absolutely race against it. Both of them probably pushed way harder than they wanted to going you know in there do because we, they knew that was really the last time to pass anyone. So do we just blame Dungey for putting heat on Chad? <laughs> do <you want> <laughs> no, I, I don't think Dungey had anything to do with the pressure I, at all. Chad just saw a chance to get by Roxon. I think Dungey did, Dungey did a great job of avoiding Chad. I thought. Yeah, and he still kind of runs over him a bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that really sucks. It really, and I don't see how. Look, this is Sunday night. I don't know how he races this weekend. I mean, even with fractures, which aren't breaks. It's, oh man, that's going to be tough. I mean, in this day and age, in this game of Supercross, like even if he goes out there and soldiers on. Um, and gets a whatever, you know, he's going to lose a ton of points. Remember, in Detroit, he got in through a provisional. I guess hard to say if he, he knew he could use a provisional, so that's why he got it. But I, that wasn't that scapula too, JT? Wasn't that shoulder it, blade also? Yeah, I don't know if it was the same one or not. Yeah, um, but I think it was shoulder in Detroit that when his bike cut out and he ate crap. Yeah, um, I think it was the same one, but it's uh, – I do agree with you that it's going to be really tough this weekend, man. He's going to be yeah. he's going to be in a lot of pain. So. He's going to be more shot up than like one of those circus tigers. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be you know. I I honestly don't think he has any clue how it's going to go, other than right. hey, we're just going to go there and give it a shot. You know, and yep, yep. if it if it doesn't work out at all, it wouldn't shock me. You and, know, if like he goes out there and it's like this is impossible, right. it wouldn't shock. Me. And geez, the T one word scares you too. You know. Um, yeah, and he wouldn't do anything that was, yeah. you know, life, career threatening, and he just wouldn't do that. So right. um, if he's even talking about racing, then he's talked to doctors and they've, you know, I don't want to say guaranteed him, but they've kind of told him like, hey, it's not, 
this right. isn't a dangerous situation as far as right. making it worse. Just, I know him, and he would never do that. His wife would never let him do that. So, a big debate a few years ago um, with a few people online and also uh, a, a good friend of mine's wife, who, and this goes back to when, he, when Chad DNF'd at Daytona, and he, his bike blew up, and he was credited with, what, eighth? What was he yeah. credited with? Eighth, I think? Yeah, eighth. Um, so Chad got 12th in San Diego. I don't know if you guys saw that. He actually got 12th. Right. Um, people, Some people online, my good friend's wife, think that you didn't finish. You did not finish. You should get last. Everyone else crossed the finish line, even if they're a lap behind you. Is there anything to this? I mean, I think these people are insane. I knew this was going to be a. Uh, I knew this was going to be a debate, and it's just one of those things that if you could draw, if you could draw it and show everyone, um, it would be awesome if they could do something like this on TV. You know, like literally draw. Here's the track. Here's why he's ahead of the guy who's 13th. Um, it would actually make sense. But I think if you just want to take it at face value of how do you not get a DNF did not finish when you did not finish? Right. But as soon as you explain to people, here's – I don't even know who got 13th. Who was 13th? Uh, 13th was Ivan Tedesco. Oh, Tedesco, right. Tedesco crossed the finish line and the checkered flag was out, and then he then rode to the pit a half a lap further up the track as Reed, Reed went further than Tedesco did. Right. That's really yeah. that's really all it comes down to. They told and, Ivan, they told Ivan, you're done. Yeah. You cannot make that time up. That's what they, what they told him. Right. With the you, checkers. You <laughs> failed to stay on the lead lap, so because right. of that you are going to be penalized one lap and you're only going to complete nineteen laps. That's how it works. I, I, I have, think it's cool. I've gone I think it's cool. I'm glad it happens that way. I've gone round and round with people about this, but some people are very angry, JT. They don't like this. Well yeah, and I mean Chad went oh Chad went further than Ivan did. If you if yeah. it was laid out in a straight line, right, you know, right. Chad went twelve miles and Ivan went eleven or whatever the number is, you know. No, he would have had to lap yeah, him I, so they can't go in a straight line because at some point yeah, Chad has and, to and pass him. This isn't gonna <laughs> this isn't gonna change. This is in every motor racing, right. you know, no, how it's gonna be. So yeah, I just wanted to bring it up. It brings back memories of the uh, the Jacksonville crawl off. With Gerke and Stu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that that one was crawl. ridiculous. In the first turn. Who, who, yeah. Who's KO'd the furthest down the track? That was one of that may be the coup de gras of this rule. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, the, the, the real, here, here's the whole issue where people get confused. If you look at the way the results are, technically DNF is not a turn in in professional supercross, there is no such thing as DNF. Everyone's just listed as how many laps yeah. to complete. Yeah. So there isn't such a thing as you didn't finish, so you get a DNF, hence you get zero points or last place or whatever. Nobody DNFs. You can DNF, you can do not start, but once you race, if you did one lap and crashed out, you're listed as, you know, 19 laps behind or yeah. one lap complete. Yeah. Right. There is no such thing as a DNF, actually. So that's where the whole... Um, comes from. There, there is a DNQ, though. Let me tell you all about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you can look at Dean Wilson's results. Isn't Dean Wilson just minus three laps or something like that? Yeah. Yes. He, he pulled in the can- that's what it, I mean, it's just... Hey, you just get marked down with how many laps you finish. That's all. That's it. Yeah, no one does, does not finish. You, <laughs> if your bike breaks in the first lap, that means you only did one lap. It'd be funny. It'd be funny if they did do it that way, where you had to cross a line, and then say you're scooped up in the asterisk mule, and the asterisk mule's like, "Hey, 
Do you want to go to the hospital? We're going over the finish. Or do you want me to take you around to the rest of these laps? You, they would have to put that guy responder in the mule. <laughs> yep. They would have to put the flagger that wears the helmet. They would ha- he would have to drive the mule. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what we did, <laughs> remember Colorado, John Ayers decided to take, uh, what is it, Josh Grant around the track? Josh Grant, yeah. Yes. So <laughs> that didn't work out too well either. Um, Maybe the transponder should be sewn in, instead of behind the fork, on the fork leg, be right. sewn into the rider's pants. No, into, then, their, into their skin. Like once you commit oh, yeah. to, once you yeah, commit like to. Like a dog, like a, chip, trans, uh, a chip. chip. Yeah, a microchip. Like where's your chip? I put it at the tip of my, tip of my nose so that I can get <laughs> scored in a dead heat with someone. <laughs> you know? You know, and, hey, and if, if it would have been the 90s, you know where Factory Phil would have put that thing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Anyways, hey, I just wanted to bring that up. I just there's some people that are very adamant that you need to cross that line. So <laughs> it's funny. Like I said, I understand where that's coming from, right. but if you if you saw it drawn out, just like JT said, if you rode it in a straight line, he did do more racing than the people that he beat. So mm-hmm. that's why he beat them. Okay. Yeah. Um. Back to the race. Plus, cool. Who who doesn't who wouldn't rather have a title contender that many points closer? Right? Like, isn't that more yeah, exciting? Is, is your good friend Ryan Villapoto? <laughs> that would be about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's move on to the race. Um, Stewart uh, captures his first win, and he was fast in some practice. And Did he win his heat? I, don't, I didn't watch the heats today, I can't, and I can't remember. Uh, he did win his heat. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and, and he wrote – uh, we he rode a great race. Like out of twenty laps, RV was within a second and a half, probably fifteen of those. And no, it was Dungey won that heat. Sorry, get the facts straight. Dungey uh, beats Stu. Dungey beats Stu. Yep. Yeah, good for Dungey. Um. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, no mistakes by Stu Weege. Really good ride. It's not just the no mistakes at the end. I mean, that is impressive. Um, for sure. I'll get to that in a second, but what really impressed me was you could see the first lap. Stewart is behind Villapoto, and he is saying, I am going to pass this guy. I am going to get the lead right now, which obviously it's James Stewart, but also it's Ryan Villapoto. That's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do. Yeah, we did see Chad Reed do it last weekend, but in general, you know, how many times are Stewart and Villapoto lined up, you know, the last three or four years? Um, for whatever reason, it's been fast quite often. You just haven't seen either that scenario or whatever, where Stewart is like, I don't care if it's Ryan Villapoto. I'm passing this guy. This lap will not end with me in second place. It was clear that that was the deal. And I asked him about it after, and he said, yeah, that's not normally the way I, I try not to race like that. I try not to go take huge shots at dudes unless it's late in the race and I'm going for it or I'm dead last and i got to make passes. But he just felt like the track was hard to pass on, and he, he had to try to sneak attack him get him immediately. I thought that was impressive. Mm-hmm. He ate him up on that first lap. Late in the race, I thought Stewart's been running this mantra all year of, I pride myself on my fitness. I pride myself on my fitness. And I think, don't you think that a lot of people hear that and say, oh, you do? Because uh, up until this year, at least, last couple seasons have been, oh, he can kill in an eight-lap heat race, but he can't do it for 20 laps in the main. He mustn't be in shape, right? We've heard that from a lot of people. This is the same rider saying, I pride myself in my fitness. I pride myself in my fitness. Well, how about that? I mean, he outlasted Villapoto, too. 
So yeah, no, they're, maybe they're, he was right. Quietly, it, there's b- lots of whispers by you know a lot of main rivals to Stu that uh, he's not in shape over the years. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, his yeah. fastest lap was on lap 16, and I mean, he rode a great race and you know shows he held off Ryan Villapoto. So. Um, kudos to him. You know, I found it interesting in my discussing, discussion, discussing, discussing, discuss, this, my disgustness, uh, with James, he mentioned he's a different guy this year. He's just different. He said, he's not, not as flat. He, he said, Anaheim won. He goes, Anaheim won. I, I think the same thing would have happened to me again. That wasn't an indication that it's the same old guy. And, you know, I have been riding a little different this year. Oh yeah. I don't I know. know. And I, and look, Maybe Stu's a reader of OBS. Maybe he's not. But I'm telling you. And I'm getting this thing transcribed as we speak. Oh, no. And I will be posting these quotes on Twitter. Stay tuned. He, I mean, he's just yeah. different. He's different. He says he's different. Oh, no. Okay. No, nothing? Nothing? No, no I'm not disagreeing. I'm just upset that it's working out this way. <laughs> I'm not at all disagreeing with you. Right. I mean, you can look well, at every one of these races. Like, he has really been trying to just take what he can get and really trying to manage it. Yeah. I don't know if it's better. You know, I, I don't know in the long run if it's, it's definitely different. Right. I'm going to have to give you I, that. I don't know if it's better. Um, yeah, I didn't say better. I yeah. said different. So, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. I'm going to begrudgingly, as much as it pains me, I will admit, he is taking a different approach to racing this year. I still think that what happened in Anaheim 1 could easily happen again a handful of times anyway. Uh-huh. But even if that does, I will not, you know, I will not come back at you and say, see, it wasn't different. Mm-hmm. Because he is taking a different approach. But what happened in Anaheim 1 could still happen again, even with that different approach, I believe. I'm a little... Because it already happened. Yeah. I'm a little... I don't want... No, I'm not going to use the word worried. But, JT, it's... The last two races for Villapoto have been odd. Yes? Um, I definitely wouldn't use the word worried. Okay. Uh, we, I mean, we haven't been saying that at all. All of us on every week are like, yeah, yeah, he's the guy. But, man, he, he lost the lead, two, lead pack, the lead two guys last week. This week, he kind of lost, and I think it was a little bit of lappers and different stuff, so I'm not exactly, I'm not saying James wore him down or anything, but... I have so much respect for Villapoto that the last two weeks on lap 18, I'm like, he's coming. It, it's, it's just wait. Like, I, if he went, I, if there was odds at that point on lap 18 on who was going to win the race, I probably would have put Villapoto ahead of Kenny and uh, Chad and this week um, James. I just I have that much respect for the guy. Yeah, my, my take on it is this. Um, we saw this from James at last year as well, like Atlanta, where James is just on sometimes, and Ryan didn't have anything for James at Atlanta either. I felt like he had something for James this weekend. He, you know, he stayed right on his wheel almost the whole race. Uh, I think if he was in front, that I don't think James could have passed Ryan either. Mm-hmm. And I, no, I'm not really worried. I think that Ryan has been. In, in the factor, if he didn't win, he's been in, in the race every time in a factor to win, and that's why he has the red plate. Yeah. You know, last year he was in a much worse position, and we all saw how that turned out. Um, you know, Chad 
was the main, uh, the closest rival in points, and we, you know, we kind of know his situation. So, for me, I think Ryan's in a great spot. I, you know, if, if you had to have me pick a, the the title winner at this point, I think mm-hmm. it's an easy choice. Um, easy, quote unquote. I do, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, if yeah, they yeah. rode away from Roxon, who I I expected Roxon to win this week, I really thought he was going to win the main event, and they pulled away from him in the main event. So. Yeah, I, I think Villapoto's looking really strong. I, you know, I, I know he hates losing to Stewart a lot. I guarantee that really didn't sit well with him, but on the big picture of a championship, I, I think he looks he looks really strong at this point. Um, we sh- when you talked to Villapoto, did he get angry with you when you brought up the points? No, did, did, why, did he get angry at you? Did you bring up the points? What about the points? What does it bring up? Uh, just that did he, he ex- not know the points? That he extended, that, need- his, that he extended his points lead and... You know, it was a good night. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think um, there's no reason for me to really prod him. I mean, he he didn't. He, he seemed like he thought it was a good night. I think here's the here's the reason why it seems a little weird right now. And he he did explain it this way. He won a hell of a lot of races midway through last year. I mean, he went on a tear. And we're all looking at he started out at a 16th at Anaheim one, and he came back to wrap up the title early. That is dominant level. But I think it's one of those. You'd rather not have to do it that way. You'd rather not have to go on the edge making sure you win with no margin for error every week and try to win 8 out of 10 or whatever he had at one point last year. Luckily, he doesn't have to now, and he has the luxury of taking third last week and taking second this week. I think he's totally fine with that. Um, and he probably would have preferred to have done that last year too, but he didn't have a choice because he sucked so bad at the beginning of the year. So, um you know, maybe he could have, if this were the situation last year and he was this many points behind, maybe he would have pushed a little bit harder at the end of the last two races. But he doesn't have to right now, so I don't think he's worried. I just pulled up the points from last year after San Diego, and he had two wins, just like he has this year. Yeah, He, he only had three podiums in six races. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, and he now has four podiums in six races. So but where, he, was the point, where was he compared to Millsaps in points? Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, twenty-seven back. Twenty-seven back after six races. Right. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So, right. I, I think that's why midway through the year he had to go berserk, had to win races, had no choice. Uh, that's a that's a rough way to live. I think even Stewart in two thousand nine, you know, he crashed at Anaheim one, and everybody's like, ah, he'll be fine. He'll just win the next eight in a row and he'll catch up. Right. But I think even as dominant as Stewart was in those days, I think even he said. That's a ridiculous amount of pressure to deal with. I have to win every race pretty much for the rest of the year or the title is over. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone really wants to have to race that way, and I think this is what Villapoto would prefer to do. Win if well, he can, and second or third if he can't, that's pretty good. I brought up the points to Villapoto, and he started saying, Ah, you media guys, your points, 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 always with the points, you media guys. There's a long way to go, bro. I don't need to worry about this this points lead and – all you guys needed just points, 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 and he threw his dirty underwear at me. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, you're an idiot. Like, I told him I was going to point him to Cowie HR. Um, but, but, I mean. What does he mean we're an idiot with points? What does he mean by that? He just said, like, who cares? Who cares about the points? Not relevant right now. I think in general, yeah, like, there are times when I've seen the announcers on the TV show talk about points, and I'm like, Whoever has the red plate this particular weekend doesn't matter. It's way too early. Things like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, being 27 points down and being like, ah, I'm in the hunt. 
are two completely different right, things. The points do right. matter to that degree. Yeah. 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 Um, um, what is, if he was two points up going into this race and he was two points down going into this race, I don't think those points would have mattered. Right, right. Yeah. Um, do you guys, uh, first UJT, do you believe that Dungey will win a race this year? I still do, yeah. Okay. I think right. he will. Um, I kind of have been on that. I, I just don't see any reason to really jump off the bandwagon yet as far as my my prediction before the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he would be more in the running for one than he has been so far. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought he'd be closer by now. But, yeah, I think he, he'll, you know, he'll get to start just like he did in the, in the heat race uh, this weekend. And yeah. he, knows what to, he knows what to do when he's out front. This is not new for him, so. He, you know, he's, he's got, what, 10 more ten more chances at it. So, yeah, I think the odds are in his favor that he does. Weech? Yeah, I'm going to do this exact same thing. Yeah. These guys are so close. You give any one of them a whole shot on the right night, and they're mm-hmm. going to win. Um, I think I think one of the, you know, the smoking guns for my, you know, call that he will is that just what we talked about, that Bill Poto hasn't been dominant. So I don't think that it's a given right now that if, if Dungey gets a whole shot, that Bill Poto is just going to reel him in and, and – Pull him away like he has, you know, maybe last year. So mm-hmm. that that you know is a good sign for Dungy maybe pulling one off. Right. Um. Uh, Weston Pike, sweet Jesus, fourteenth uh, on the first lap, had to go to the LCQ. He so you know he was further back than fourteenth on the first lap with it with his starting gate. Um, you know, just catches and passes Barsha and Tomac. Just yeah, going to the front. No big deal. No, going to the front, everyone. See, see you there. Wow, JT, this guy is unbelievable. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I really think that um, you know, obviously the riding you can't replace it. Like, it's, he's riding great and all that stuff. But we're seeing how important it is to not be intimidated by these guys. I think too. Uh, I just don't think he is worried about the name on the back of the jersey when he goes by him. I don't think he cares. Really don't. He doesn't care? Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> Are you saying he does not care? <laughs> no, I just think that that's a, such a huge part of racing. You can see it. Like, I, I watch in the heat races and stuff. You see guys give other guys room just because of who they are. 100% of who they are, they would have never given, you know, a different guy that much room. If it's Stewart or Bill Poto or somebody that they don't feel like they can beat, they would, you know, they could have a chance to park them or make the pass back or whatever, and they choose not to because of who they are. And I just don't think that that's the way that Pike races. And I think that situations last uh-huh. night where he's got to pass a guy like Tomac or Barsha are evidence of that. I spoke to Adam Entenap after the race. Uh, he did not... When he did not get into the main event, but he did say he gave uh, Brock Tickle too much room. So JT's theory, solid, and to nap, giving Tickle room. It's a tough thing to to tell yourself. You know, these are guys that you consider, whether they'll admit it or not, they consider that rider better than them. You know, they just think, oh, that guy's going to beat me anyway, or did you know? Yeah, did either of you? Uh, sorry, JT. I just got to move this thing along. It's thirty-four minutes, yeah. and we've talked about three guys, um, and transponders and noses. Um, <clears throat> did any of you see Pike pass the two Honda guys? Because no one I spoke to did, and I didn't see it either. 
No, me neither. He was catching Tomac at one point, and the next thing we knew, he was ahead of both of them. Weege, you and I looked at each other and we're like, "He's catching Tomac and Barsha," and then we went, yep. and you went, "Yep," and I went, "Yep," and then, "Yep." Next time I looked, literally like a lap and a half later, he's two seconds clear of them. Like I, I'm just like, "What happened, JT? Did you see it?" I did, and honestly, I, you know, and the reason nobody, none of us did, is because the racing between both Stewart and Poto, and then the Dungey, Reed, Rocks, and thing—it yeah. was too good, and that, that's not fair to Pike. But you, you know, we yeah. can only watch one thing at a time. So, okay, if if a piano falls on Pike tomorrow, okay. Well, first of all, maybe six to oh, seven. You might want to, you know, give a disclaimer that you're not reliable if that actually happens. <laughs> if six to seven pianos fall on Pike tomorrow, okay, <laughs> and he's out for the year, has he done enough right now? to get a salaried ride on a good team. And when I I don't want to piss anybody off, so I'm not going to clarify which teams are good and which aren't. But we all know. <laughs> we all know on this call. So if six or seven pianos fall on him and he's out for the year with, say, minor damage to a skull, does he – I think he's done enough. I think right now, no matter what, you give that guy a chance. JT. The biggest problem is that when the decisions are made to hand out rides, it's months and months and months from now. I just don't think. And I, I don't think. I know. I know, but I don't think it matters. I do, just because. Unfortunately, if if something did happen like that, which I don't think is going to happen, you don't think um, six or seven pianos it's too are long from now. People would, <laughs> people are going to forget this ride. You know, it's just going to fall into. Oh yeah, Pike was really good. No, but, but there's uh, there's many rides, not just San Diego. I mean, I'm talking about the other ones too. You know, I, I listen. I'm I understand. I think he's very deserving, but I just think that that's a long time from now. You're talking about rides. The season gets done so late now. Guys are getting signed in, in August, September, October. That's a long time from now. I don't want to, you know, exaggerate, but I'm picking him for Team USA right now. The biggest problem, <laughs> I think, in this whole thing is if, right he gets hit by, if he gets hit by a piano, what good is that going to do anybody next year? What do you mean? He's not going to be able to race if he gets hit if a piano lands on him. Six or he seven. Can't race next year. No, six or seven pianos. Like say a Yeah, p- there's no way. Why would they sign him? Say a piano store is going out of business. Um, I don't think one piano would, would do any damage to him. No, no. Yeah, that's right. We're talking about Pike here. Um, right. I mean, he, he definitely took a piano's worth of damage uh, in Phoenix and got up. <laughs> that's a bunch of pianos right there. Um, yeah. Weege, what do you think? Am I, am I, I'm not about the Team USA thing. I'm, no, no, no. No, I yeah. agree with you. I, I think he has done enough, and I think it's because of the – for right or wrong, it's the it's very much the way this industry works. Um, I've said before, injuries don't you don't lose rides from injuries. You get you lose rides from getting injured and then coming back and sucking. As long as you, people seem to give a reasonable doubt. Like, well, he'll eventually just be back to himself. There's a lot of you can name tons of riders who have had factory rides who keep getting hurt and keep holding on to the factory ride. Um, I don't think that deters people. He's been too good. There's too much buzz. And as always, there are too many teams that are desperate to uh, to find like a diamond in the rough. Like, hey, maybe we don't we don't we can't get the two or three super high end guys we want. But here's a shot of the guy at a discount rate that could maybe even beat them. What's it's the... just too enticing for teams? Sometimes those moves are terrible. It doesn't even work in their favor, but they do them all the time. What's the difference between a, a, a Josh Hill 
Brock Dickel, Weimer, and Wesson Pike right now. All secondary guys on factory teams. You know? Pike's a lot yeah. faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, he, he absolutely is. The only – listen, it's pretty – I mean, the only guys he's not faster than are the guys who are the all-time legends right now. We're talking, like, guys who have won the Supercross title before and rocks them, right. and that's about it. So that's w- it. would you put him on Team USA, Weege? Uh, I don't know. If the race is held at Miller Motorsports Park in Utah, maybe. On a lights bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. I do. Let me ask a question out here, JT. There's going to be a lot of talk leading into uh, not Dallas, but Atlanta and the rest of the East races. Like I said, every single rider will tell you, thank God we got on to the East. I'm better. My results will get better now that we have some traction. Every rider will say that. But will DeMar, California's own Weston Pike, is there a chance that these tracks have lent themselves a little bit better to him than when we go to the ruts? I don't think it's going to really change much. You know, he's he was getting top tens on the East Coast in 2012 when he was switching bikes every weekend. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think he'll, I think it'll be fine. He's raced in Europe a ton with me, and he's always really good in that those conditions as well. I think he maybe feels a little bit more comfortable, uh, like on a track like last night. But I think his confidence is probably the biggest thing he has going for him. And I think the the skill set the skill set's there. The confidence was kind of one of the things where man, like, I need to be up here every weekend. And I I really I think he will be in the top ten every weekend from here on out. You know, unless something happens, bike or crash or whatever. I really I really yeah, I, know. That. I I just think is he's kind of arrived. I really think he's that guy every week now. Justin Barsha was fifth place, crashed. Ended up getting a, a six, <clears throat> working back from the pack. But Weed, you, you actually talked to Justin a little bit. He, he's a bit of a hermit at the races, but uh, dude, he has been very hard to find, hasn't he? Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, no. I, and he shook my hand today or last night before the night show, and he's like, "How are you?" And I'm like, "You don't even care how I am." And he's like, "No, I do. I really do." And I'm like, "Then why don't you stick around for ra- interviews ever?" And he's like, "Dude, you're never here." And I'm like, "Oh no, 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 I'm here." Um, oh yeah, but anyways, yeah. Uh, he's. I talked about working with McGrath for starts. It's still not going well, um, but maybe a little better. But you said he was working with some electronics to try to help him out. I think. Uh, I think it's certain. I think he is trying to avoid talking right now. I and agree. We've got some evidence. Yeah, we've got some evidence. Here, here's two pieces of evidence. For the last like three years, I remember on this show me talking about. I think Barsha is the best starter when he was in the 250 class. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I walk by his mechanic Schneike every weekend, and he'd be like, "Hey, I got a hole shot in this one." Or in outdoors, he'd be like, "I got two hole shots baked in this one." So it was like running yeah. Saturday morning joke every weekend. You right. got one? Oh yeah, I got one. Or you got two? Uh, yeah, I think this week we got two. All of a sudden, last week, I walk up to him, dude, leave me alone. That's what he says. I walk <laughs> up to him, waiting for the standard. Do you have a whole shot in this bike? Right. And he's like, dude, leave me alone. And I'm like, oh, you're the one who's been calling whole shots for three years, but suddenly now I'm bothering you. And he's <laughs> right. around, but they don't even want to go there anymore. Yeah. That's evidence A. B, I go to Snikey after the race, and I'm like, is Justin around? And he's like, nope, he's gone. A half hour later, I see them walking out of the pits together. Really? Ooh. Ooh. Now, 
Justin was cool. I saw him in the morning. I talked to him. And when I saw them walking out a half hour later, I talked to him. They weren't like, it wasn't like a guy was yeah. being arrested and they throw a sweatshirt over his face or something like that. <laughs> um, right. By the way, there's another rider. I don't want to give away his game. There's another top 450 rider. I thought this was brilliant, who I spotted walking out of the pits with an unmarked black hoodie and the hood up <laughs> to try to get out of there instead of spending three more hours signing autographs. I thought it was awesome. Really? And I'm like, is that your disguise? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, good for you. Oh, I didn't even. Was that Kenny? I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm just going to say the fans, because it would sound horrible. Fans would be like, hey, we pay your salaries, whatever. But, dude, you know what it's like. JT, you're you're there over at Chad's rig. Like, seriously, it could go on for hours. Oh, right? it does go on for hours. Yeah. Chad's been, yeah. Chad's been gnarly yeah. the last few years. He He's, I mean, uh, JT, I mean, I'm sure you've been to, many after parties or things with him, but he seems to be spending a ton of time with fans after every race. Yeah, he's, he's really good about it. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. Yep. He's, he's in his gear even still, and obviously it's... I, I, I just feel like, to be fair, it, so at some point, you, you I think, you know, to get to sleep, to stay out of the cold, whatever it is, to be a professional athlete, sometimes you got to draw the line. It doesn't mean that you're being a dick. So I don't want to call the dude out. Like, I, I think already it was know. a necessary thing to I'm do. I'm pretty sure it's Kenny because he was posting photos from some uh, bounce club uh, bass music 101 that he seemed to want to get to real quick. So <laughs> that's where I'm going to go with. I'm just going to say that on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, so. but you could go you can go to the pits in any of these races and pick eight or nine guys who hey, could probably save themselves a good hour if they could figure out a way to get out of there without yeah, the fans. Yeah, I uh, – I was right. there for Stewie's interview at uh, twelve thirty, twelve twenty. Yeah, yep. That's what I'm saying. And the race is over at ten thirty. I mean, that yep. hour, you know, I'm just people wouldn't understand. I don't expect them to. They want their autographs. They want their free stuff, especially in this sport. For the reason I expect it. We pay. We're way off topic here. We pay your anyway, salaries. Huh? We pay your yeah, salaries. Yeah, all that stuff. I, getting free stuff, I've never understood. I don't expect that from any other place. Why would the riders give you free stuff? But anyway, I, I saw a kid with where, a where chain. Were we, I saw what a kid, we talking about? I saw a kid with oh, a chain. Oh, okay. I said to Barsha, I'm like. He's like, I don't really have much to say. It's the same thing. Like, the start wasn't that good. And he was very, he's very dangerous to talk to now because I think he is frustrated with some things and he doesn't want to, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to say, I suck because I don't think he believes he's the, he's the to blame or entirely to blame. Right. But he doesn't want to go out there and blame other things because you get in trouble for that. So he'd rather not say anything. I think, and that's, I think that's a toxic situation brewing. Not there yeah. yet. Not there yet. But it's yeah. If you smell it in the air, you can smell. Oh yeah. Discontent. When I was talking to him in the morning, I'm yeah. like, dude. Yeah. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. You're getting on. You're on the verge of saying things that are going to start getting you in trouble. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, but here's the one thing that gets left out. He just keeps blaming it on starts. It's a start. It's a start. It's a start. I think he's kind of hinting at you know. Yeah. Maybe it's the bike that's hurting with the starts. But that does not explain being passed by Weston Pike, or two, yeah, two crashes in the last uh, two weeks or three weeks. So yeah, it um, leaves the Pike part out. Damn it! I wish I had seen the Pike pass to know more about it and how it transpired. Or what. I, I don't think there was there would be much to talk about. I think he just blew by them. Just see you later, <laughs> because I'm not kidding you. Two, <clears throat> I looked up. He's two seconds behind. A lap and a half later, he's two seconds ahead. Both of them. I talked to Eli after the race, and Eli said, yeah, man, you got to hand it to that guy. He was like, I couldn't get by Justin. I, gotta, I think I fell into Justin's pace, and Weston just went by us. Like, that's basically just, see ya. 
Just, oh, hey, Tomac, Barsha, they make, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe a couple million dollars more than me. Um, yeah. You know, but here yeah. I go. See you later. Brop. You know, so great job again by Weston Pike. Uh, man, we're 47 minutes in and we haven't even talked about anything. Um, we're idiots. Uh, Filthy well, we not cover top five of the race. We got in the, what seventh place, I think, at this point. If you go to Mac Barsha, we're doing all right. Uh, we haven't talked about Roxon at all, besides a black hoodie. Um, Tomac was okay. Dude, there's plenty of uh, you. I saw Dungey for 45 minutes, like he tried to get out of his motorhome at Anaheim three. Like it happened to everybody. Like you said, Stewart, 12:30 in the morning. Like it. Oh yeah, yeah. It is rough, man. No. It is rough. No. Yeah. Especially, especially on any of these guys. Also, too, like. And we've talked about this. There's a lot of media nowadays. There seems like a lot of dudes getting the same thing, and, I, and I'm including myself in there. We're getting yep. the same quotes, you know. Yep. And so there's more media than ever. We'll see at St. Louis, though. Everybody, we'll see see if you're there at St. Louis. <laughs> but uh, you know, um, so Andrew Short, JT found a gear to start in, and I don't know how. I told him for the race. I'm not sure how he's pulling third off of that start. It's not that long, you know, and it's – so you have to get the jump. But he did it, and he pulled the whole shot. And But it was his worst race of the year as far as going backwards. Yeah, he rode He rode really tight. Um, you know, he kind of said that he, you know, got the whole shot, and he was so nervous about, you know, capitalizing on the start that yeah. he just blew it, basically, what it comes down to. So – he just kept, um, expert analysis. He just paused, blew it. Yeah, really. <laughs> he did. I mean, and I think he knows that he just he rode super tight. He was mm-hmm. so worried about getting a good result with the opportunity that he didn't he didn't follow through on on just riding. You know. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where you get in your you get in your own way. You know, you're so I, I, worried about doing something that you can't execute what what it takes to to get there. I used to start in third gear on my CR five hundred, like at Millville and. Melita, Manitoba, long starts. How are you doing third gear on a 450 with a relatively short start straight? Uh, I don't really think that the the length of the start matters so much. It's coming out of the gate smoothly. Um, and then whenever, you know, if you can get out of the gate somewhat decent when everybody else goes to shift and you don't shift and you keep accelerating. Yeah. Well, the, and you don't really wheelie coming out of the gate. You come out a little bit smoother. The, the, so I think... Well, the reason I say the, st- the start straight matters is because generally you're giving up the jump to everybody because you're in third, but you're gonna get the you're gonna get the advantage, say, fifty yards or thirty yards down the start straight, you know. But by thirty yards of the start straight in Supercross, you're breaking already. When theoretically the advantage being of one less shift should come in, because you should get your the riders around you should get their elbows in on you and their bars over you. Theoretically speaking, but. it all just depends. If you ever, you know, I would invite all of you to watch a start in slow motion and see how much wheeling and pull and basically re-pulling in the clutch they're doing. Mm-hmm. So you know, every time they do that, they're they're losing acceleration and they're fighting, you know, to keep that front end down. Right. We're in third gear. Yes, it's not as snappy, so you're not getting that jump. But if you don't have to re-pull in that clutch, you know, it it basically evens back out. You know, it's it's a big uh, trade-off. So, um, DV says start devices should be not allowed anymore. DV says lots of things. Okay. Um. Uh. What else? Let's see. Um. Filthy Phil Nicoletti. 
Had to go to the LCQ. Pulled every start, though. Spike looks good. Um, did you get over there at all, Weege, at the end of the night? I never did. Yeah, I did. I talked to him and uh, Brayton, of course. Um, Brayton, of course, yeah. Yeah, Nicoletti was not happy with his riding. I don't, I don't think you'd expect him to be. Although, I think you actually have more experience talking to Phil than I do. Is he ever? No. Yeah, no. Phil, Phil's angry, so upset, that, yeah, most of the time. Right. Yeah, he said for some reason by the time he was in the main, he just wasn't charging. And to me, it's like, hey, that's partially what's going to happen when mm-hmm. in, in this situation. Everybody else has been he didn't. hammering. He wasn't even not charging. He was riding around. Yeah, he said He said to me, he's like, if I had a heart rate monitor, it probably wasn't over 140. Um, I was just riding. I do yeah. have to laugh that our friend John Knowles at Scott Goggles is told me he's trying to talk to Phil to try to get Phil to be less negative. <laughs> This is this is come from John Knowles, uh, you know, pretty ironic. It's like, yeah, like maybe someone a little more positive should help Phil try to not be so negative. Anyways, uh, what a life coach, John Knowles. Uh, hey Knowles, things are getting really tough, man. I'm really feeling like the weight of the world's on my shoulders. Just quit, man. Just quit, man. Just go get a job at Walmart. Just just quit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Uh, Ivan Tedesco, thirteenth. Didn't notice him too too much. JT, can you talk a little bit about <laughs> and you coming from a privateer of the sport who was sometimes in those practices? Um, the disaster that was the track changes in between the practices. Yeah, it was. It's pretty ridiculous. And, I, and I'm going to preface this by saying I don't know what the guys down on the starting line told them if they gave them any sort of warning or anything like that, which I've seen done before, but based off what I saw on the track, I don't <laughs> think that they did. If they gave them warnings, then we perhaps are dealing with a lot of not-that-clever motocross racers. <laughs> right, right. And kind of what we're talking about, and, and people you know at home that we're watching on TV or even the people that came for the night racing would know, basically in the first rhythm section, they added – after the first set of practices, they added a lip to the end of the tabletop. So the landing, basically, if you wanted to jump over the tabletop and, and downside the backside of the tabletop, there was now a lip on it. And that allowed people to step off of the tabletop over the next single, not unlike Oakland, the section of Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't, I don't believe that they told anyone about this change. So. Uh, there was a few guys in the 250 class who I don't know their name or don't remember their name, but I do know that uh, Nick Schmidt basically was one of these guys that were like, okay, I'm just going to hop over this tabletop the first lap. Oh, God, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then they were ended up flipping down the straightaway because they landed on this lift. So uh, I can tell you that if I was Nick Schmidt and I had been flipping, there would have been a scene caused in the middle of practice by me. But Yeah, like you can't, uh, you can't do that. <laughs> No, you're going to get people hurt bad. <laughs> I mean, what if this guy goes to the hospital? You know, I mean, that, that wreck could have been really bad. I mean, you're yeah. going into a five-foot jump, you yeah. know, because of this tra- track and, change. And to make things worse, his subway buddy, he took out his subway buddy and a nap. Yeah, there, uh, it was a, uh, a fly racing Honda pile <laughs> of mush, you know, molten yeah. metal. <clears throat> Poor subway. Yeah, it was. Pretty bad. The closest subway to Milestone would have drastically seen some profits down had uh, <laughs> had those guys not been able to make it. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I do think that the track change was a positive change as far as making the racing better for for a lot of guys, mm-hmm. especially you know the the lights guys that couldn't do that quad out. Yeah. But man, you've got to tell these guys that's so dangerous. You know, I mm-hmm. it, it actually made me mad just because I I was watching guys crash their brains out the first lap. You know what else is dangerous? You know yeah. what else is dangerous? Leaving you alone with a bag of cheesies. Not buying for BTOSports.com. BTOSports.com, leading worldwide dealer for all dirt bike gear, parts, accessories, and clothing. Uh, they've been around. Uh, they've been around for a long time. They've been a huge supporter of the Pulp MX show and these podcasts for a long time, and uh, we appreciate them. Use Pulp MX to save yourself money at BTOSports.com, and of course. Fox Racing, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear. Uh, Instinct Boot V4 Helmet, Airspace Performance Goggle, 360 Racewear, Foxhead.com. Thanks to Foxhead for coming on board as a presenting for these. And, of course, listen to this Racetech commercial to uh, save yourself some money at Racetech. Again, use the code PULPAMEX to uh, really uh, benefit yourself with some suspension changes. BTOSports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension. And they've been around a long time. And their their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thie, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, so now we're back. Do we move the 250s now? Should we move the 250s? I did talk to Brayton, by the way. Oh, I didn't even realize he got shocker. ninth. I would have never thought he got ninth. Yeah, I did talk to Brayton. Um, I hit this on the pre-race podcast we did, but bike changes before Anaheim 3, they thought were better. They were worse, so they switched back to the old stuff. Mm-hmm. He actually felt good and fast like he had the previous races here, so... But he crashed in the second lap. So, are you? Do you want to tell the listeners that you told Barsha about this transfer of power? I did. I gave him the transfer of power theory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like your backyard wrestling tapes that JT and I had to step in and save you from. Protect you from yourself. Yeah, we're going to protect you from yourself. Stop talking to people about this transfer of power idea. <laughs> like just. Well, I ran it by Barsha. I ran it. I did run it by Barsha. Because he's like, maybe it's not me, it's other things, you know, I've been screwing up, whatever. And I'm like, well, i got a different theory for you. And I told him about the transfer of power. I said it happened in Phoenix when he ran into Brayton and got bumped into the tough blocks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, I was being too nice. I was being too generous. I probably should have hit him harder, and I would have taken the lead. And I know if I had the lead then, I would have won the race. And then I'd have a lot more confidence. So he doesn't quite not agree. <laughs> that's your official stance he doesn't quite not agree yeah, he yeah. did not say that's ridiculous he didn't agree but he, he, you're saying he didn't voice that it wasn't ridiculous 
Do you did he back away slowly as he was telling you that he didn't not quite agree? Folks, just look at the tape. Go back and go on YouTube. Look up Phoenix Supercross 2014 and look when they collide. Suddenly, Barsha is making huge mistakes and can barely even ride. And Brayton's going front. Yeah, and there's Brayton battling with Villapoto to the end. That's all the evidence you're saying. The proof, the, the proof is in the results. You don't you don't need to defend your your transfer power case. The proof is there. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, I don't even need to talk about it anymore. Just look at right. We're basically stupid for not seeing this earlier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is this is like Oliver Stone. Like you think the silver, the single bullet theory is going to make sense? Well, I've got footage to prove otherwise, and I don't need to. I don't need to make a movie about it. Oh wait, he did. The point is, <laughs> the the evidence he has is right. inarguable. Yeah, the proof is on your side. You have, you know. Oh yeah. It's on, it's on us to prove you wrong when it really comes down to it. Hey, maybe Weston Pike does catch. Maybe Weston Pike does catch Brayton. Maybe Weston Pike makes that happen. Has there been but now some, it's Barsha that he's doing it to. Has there been some sort of transfer of power with Pike? Like, is there something that's – I mean, do we have anything of that? Like, <laughs> Yeah, if you're looking for anyone above par now, maybe. Yeah. Mm, um, I need to get, like, some sort of, um, you know, some sort of, like, Ghostbusters on this or something. Uh. Also, Be careful when you cross streams. Also, um, <laughs> Vince Freeze qualified 10th, got 16th. Uh, so good qualifying, but not probably not what he wanted to do in the main. And now, of course, Vince is going to go to 250 East. Jake Weimer will be out probably for a little bit. He crashed in practice and uh, separated shoulder and uh, hand too. Or am I thinking, am I getting mixed up with Chad now? Something else. I no, it's hand and, hand and yeah, shoulder. Right. You're right. Um, and don't forget Wilbur. And Wilbur, yeah, Wilbur didn't race. Hand still bugging him. Uh, speaking of hand again, uh, still bugging him from the Anaheim three crash. So, yep, he qualified not too well either. Um, yeah, and Tomac qualified 18th and said he didn't know what he was doing out there. He had no clue what he was going doing. So he was pretty pretty upset with his qualifying time. Uh, maybe his so, powers of transfer to Pike. We need to go back then and look. Uh, Weech, did you get any indication if Nicoletti's back next weekend? No, I don't think anyone knows yet. Okay. Because um, they were pretty adamant right off the, the bat saying, right. the, you know, Dallas will be reevaluated, whatever. Well, let's move to the 250s. Uh, 250s, we've been saying it for a while, or I've been saying it anyways. Dean Wilson um, has been fast, been good, looks like he can get back in this thing, but he had no room for error. No more margin of error. Um, and But unfortunately, JT, that's exactly what happened. Uh, a hard crash. And what what exactly do you think happened there? Did he miss a shift? No, he said, I thought he kind of caught the, the tough flocks on the outside, but he said he just spun and then, you know, went off the side kind of mm-hmm. and then lost, you know, just basically went kind of an endo. But I, I was almost positive that he caught a tough flock and then that forced him to endo. So, either way, um, you know, he just basically went over the bars on that little double, mm-hmm. regardless of what caused that. So, just, uh, you know, I, I saw that a, a lot of people crash in that turn. It, it looked really slippery uh, coming out of it, and then there was kind of a mud spot on the left there. So, kind of a bummer. I mean, obviously, yeah, he he had it in his hands there. If he, if he goes on to win that race, which I feel strongly that he would have, I do too. Uh, we're yep. looking at a totally different championship than we than we are today. We, do you think he wins that race? I mean, you you agree with us? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know why you would think that 
Hill, who is in second, is going to run up, catch him, pass him, and leave him. Mm-hmm. You know, you would just kind of think that's the natural order. And then I don't know. I mean, Anderson really didn't have anything for Hill. So if he ends up third, he loses five points. He'll even further back than that. Yeah, you're right. And you've got to think that if this is all what ifs, which is probably dumb to even be talking about it this much. But you've got to think if Wilson chops that points way down to, you know, five or six points, and now they've all got eight weeks to think about it, Wilson be feeling awesome, and the other guys would be like, uh oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, hey, uh, so Justin Hill wins. You know, Mitch Payton told me a while back that he thinks Justin could win a race, and I don't think I snickered, but I'm like, yeah, 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 he's your guy. You got to have his back. Good job. But um, Mitch knows what he's talking about, man. Hill rode great. Um, he was getting reeled in by Anderson at one point a little bit, but uh, fitness seemed good, speed was good, and uh, this guy, uh, JT, he just might have saved his – he was in the car track year. He might have just have got himself a deal for next year with that. I think he I think he got himself a deal before last night, but I think it's, you know, obviously set in stone now. But I think he's been a totally different guy from the get-go, yeah. you know, from A1. So I, I, I don't think he was in any danger of losing his ride. Last year he was in extreme danger. I think he was, you know, yeah. I was very surprised that he didn't. But he's been a totally different rider this year. Um, kudos to him, man. He's he's turned it around. He's he's realized the potential that everyone saw in him, and he's for real. He, um, you know, it's obviously too late at this point, I think, championship wise. But he will be one of the favorites next year. He, I talked to him after the race. He must have used, you know, I looked myself in the mirror at the end of the year. For the, the phrase, look myself in the mirror. Had to look myself in the mirror four or five times at the end of last year. Like he just realized I'm I'm I gotta get serious and props props to him kudos to him for for turning around Weege. Yeah, and you're big on saying it. Looking in the mirror is not the specialty of of riders. No, uh, often. No, it's hard to yeah. do. It's hard to do to look in the mirror and be like, okay, I really need to change this and this and this, and stop pointing fingers out and stop stop pointing it. Uh, you know, start looking in. Yeah, this is much much better than I would have thought. Especially, I mean, up front the West is. They're not slouches. And to win a race, and under these circumstances, I mean, he had there were, what, good 10 laps for Anderson to go get him. Yeah. And he made it happen. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say part of that, uh, that saying is because um, the great Sammy Hagar used those lines. Used that line. So, What's that? Uh, one, of Sammy's, one of Sammy's lyrics is, uh, uh, stop looking out, start looking in, be your own best friend, stand up and say, hey, this is mine, all mine. Wow. Yeah, deep, deep, bro. Um, yeah, Anderson, <clears throat> JT, if you're Anderson, sure you get second, but, hey, Cole Seeley's right on your ass, and you gapped him pretty good. So good job for Anderson. he got to be pumped. Yeah, he rode well. Um, you know, I think – Don't forget, he crashed in the heat uh, 20 feet out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, he's been solid all year. I think it was just another one of those rides that are, you know – championship rides i really do think that he's going to end up with this championship you know when we're didn't all you, done in vegas didn't you say last week that you, you they were tied and you were like i still like anderson i don't i just yeah i think you said that you were like nothing against Sealy, but yeah no I, I i do i think he's just been better overall i think he's he's proven he can come from the back he's more aggressive um he's he's made it happen when he's needed to so yeah i did yeah. I think if if he doesn't have that run-in with Malcolm, which really wasn't his fault, if you're looking at it objectively, you know the points are 
clearly in his favor. So, um, yeah, and Anderson, you know, because of, he only got fifth or whatever in the heat, he got the tenth gate pick. So, really fought through a lot. And then, then Weege in practice, he got into it with Jesse Nelson. Yeah, that was just hilarious. Speaking of not looking in the mirror, this is the more classic uh, version of not looking in the mirror. Uh, yeah, it was bizarre. Like, we were watching. I've never seen a slow-motion takeout like that. Like, how long was that going on? 20 seconds, 30 seconds of pushing and ramming each other in first gear? Yeah, at least 10 anyways, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, but the point yeah. is, like, takeouts are usually instantaneous, one hit in the corner. That takes one second. But in this case, they were bumping into each other somehow through over a double. Like, they rolled the double. They managed to roll the double, be in the jump, ramming each other, then got to the next corner, still ramming each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anderson ends up going down, <laughs> and he's the one that started the contest. Yeah. yeah, nothing looks worse than you rolling up on some dude, trying twice to sort of knock him over or get in the way, and then you go down. Yeah. yeah. Now, Anderson says he was put in a fast lap. Um, Nelson got in his way on purpose. He did the same thing in Oakland. He's constantly getting in his way. And I'm sure, okay, he's TLD, Sealy's TLD, Malcolm's TLD. I'm sure he's weighing all that together. Um, so that's Anderson's take on it. He keeps getting in my way. He did it in Oakland. He did it now. So then, of course, I go over to Nelson. Um, I already told you this, Mathis, so maybe I can tell you, JT. I don't know if I told you. Take a while guess what Nelson's take on it was. Uh, I didn't do anything. The guy's just crazy. He, he just went nuts when I, he went by me and then just tried to knock me down. Bingo. 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 <laughs> yeah. nothing. I did yeah. nothing. Standard, that's standard rider talk. <clears throat> right, right. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was, um... Now, Nelson claims if you watch the footage, He's like, man, I wish I could show you the footage right now on the truck, or I could. I wish I was allowed to tweet the footage out. He said, if you watch the footage, you'll clearly see that he did not cut him off, that he was just riding. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, may, uh, maybe the footage does prove his innocence, but it is hilarious how two guys can see it so differently, and it's always the, he flipped out for no reason. This is standard, yeah. <laughs> like you said. Did you guys see Malcolm looking around at the end of the last couple laps, last lap anyways of the main event to see if Seeley was anywhere near him? No, that yeah. was happening? Yeah, yeah, Malcolm was looking around. Oh. So I was, I was thinking, like, oh, man, he's going to pull over, you know. But uh, Seeley was pretty far back. So um, Seeley, by the way, um, he's he's been dealing with some, I guess, stomach issues kind of all season. And then uh, then he said after the race that he really had, like, full-on food poisoning on Tuesday. As you know, Seeley and I haven't spoken much this year. Oh, um, no, yeah. But I did talk to him on track walk. We're good yeah, now. But what I noticed when I was talking to him was I'm like, Dude, he looks like he weighs about 20 pounds less than I thought he weighed. Yeah. Like when you really look at him, right. I was like, what is the deal here? So I think Seeley's dealing with some serious issues. And what sucks about these 250 classes is, you know, pointing out and all those things, the opportunity to win a title doesn't come around no. very often. It's going to, he's going to be bummed like, whatever happened, he's, I'm sure he's going to say, like, man, I could have done better mm-hmm. because I got this weirdo illness and that was my last shot. Um, so that's something. That's a that's a big problem. It's costing him. TLD Honda three, yeah. four, five, and six. Good job. Yep. And McElrath and Nelson right by each other. Magnus. Right once again. Uh, Leave seventh. Good job for him. Champion eighth. That's good. Scott Champion's riding pretty well this year. Yeah. Um. What else? Hey. Uh. There's no way. Either one of you think Wilson can win this, right? He's done, correct? Like 33 points, isn't it? Yeah. Is it that much? I didn't look at the points. I need to. And he's not even – Hill's now third. He's not even third. Right, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I No, it, the, disa- the amount of disaster it would take. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. Just checking because JT's 
big on Wilson never being out of it and never hitting the panic button. So, um, well, yeah, and I think I was proven right until last night. Yeah. Um, what'd you guys think of the Valentin Tellier era? Error? Championship contender in 15. Thank you. Thank you. No, era, Weege. Era. Oh, sorry. Oh, I think error might have been more. You know what? Screw you, dude. We had a tough night. We got 16th. We went down. It was tough. Um, Cooper, He's not coming back in April. Um, no, I don't think April. so. Nope. I think that's it. That's it for him. So. We got a big Forever. dude. A lot of guys. Him, Moss, Bopping, they're all done now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Weimer's done and potentially Chad's done. Um, and I just mean for a little while. Nicoletti will be out. Well, I guess Grant comes back in for him. So, um, yeah. It's going to hurt the Dallas economy. Hey, so realistically, you guys, realistically, um, Brayton is 28 points down and Dunn just 32. Are they out of this? Like if you – like, I, I just mean like if, you know, we're knocking them down here, Barsha's even further back. Like, when you look at the guys who are going to be left standing at the end of the year who have a number one plate, and I'm sorry, JT, I think i got to take Reed off of this list now because that's gnarly. So, is the 2014 Supercross champion going to be Villapoto, Roxon, or Stewart? Or Pike? Because sweet Jesus, maybe, maybe Pike. Um, you know what I'm saying? Can, can, I know it's possible that anyone can win, JT, and I know you love to waffle. But don't you – isn't there a 95%, 90% chance the champion is going to be Villapoto, Roxon, or Stewart at this point? Sure. 95? 90? Yeah, yeah. I'd say even higher. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, unless Chad – if Chad comes in this weekend and gets a top five, I'll put him back on that list. But it's Yeah, I, I agree with that. If, he, if Chad comes back – and he can race if he if he salvages the top five at Dallas, then I'll put him back on the list. But yeah. otherwise, yeah, I think I think it's damn near a hundred percent that the champion is one of those three. You agree, Weege? Yeah, I'd go ninety percent. The yeah. only reason I don't want to go any higher than that is because I think we all remember the Jacksonville race in two thousand eleven, one of the craziest races ever. Yeah, uh, which included the Army Crawl Carcass, who was for the check and included all that. Um, you know, Reed was the points leader or close to the points lead when that race ended. And uh, I remember talking about it at the end, and he's like, he's like, I really find it bizarre. I see a lot of people that I have respect for and have been around this sport for a while, including yourself, saying things like, wow, now we got a series. Wow, this is crazy. And he's like, this is what I expected to happen. The points take huge swings. These things happen throughout the year. <laughs> the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, yeah. hey, that's, that's Chad being Chad in a way. Yeah. Um, but I guarantee you he's thinking that right now. I guarantee you he's thinking. Yeah, you have to, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Villapoto's going to have his, and Roxanne's going to have his, and yeah, I just got to stay in this. And But here's the thing. He speaks from experience. I mean, dudes have handed him giant piles of points many, many times over the years. He handed, um, he handed Villa, Wyndham giant piles of points. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just seen it cut both ways. Yeah. And I, I guess what I'm getting at here is, in that 2011 season, Dungey was out. He wasn't winning races. He was the fifth fastest of the five guys, according to one of us. Um, and 
he had a DNF at one of the races. Or, sorry, a whatever, a 19th place finish. We shouldn't use the word DNF. Yeah, you can't use that word, right. But when all that started breaking down, lo and behold, with four or five races to go, you're like, damn it, Dungey's actually right in this still. So just by getting third every week or whatever he was doing. Mm -hmm. So I just have to caution, I guess, this early in the season to say, well, you can pretty much count on those guys are going to be good and not have any problems. Yeah, no, after your big long That's why I'm only going to go 90%. Right, right. I'm only going to go 90 Yeah, okay. Yeah, you can never say never, but 90% is looking good that it's Villapoto, Roxon, or James Stewart. But with the the point swings in the previous years, it was only, you know, one guy or whatever that basically needed to give the points away. All three guys need to give a ton of points away, which I – that's why I'm going so high with it. I just don't three all see all three of them having a Jacksonville debacle or uh, whatever. I just don't see it. Well, I think if you're that now, 2011 is probably an exception. They did hang a bunch of banners in Vegas at the greatest season ever. But Dungey really did have to catch four or five guys. Stewart and Villapoto were first, second in points, and both crashed out on the same night. You know, so yeah, but that's what you would point at. Like you love has happened. Yeah, but you love pointing. This is this is a Weegeism. Yeah. Um, but so, you take the one race, the only race that's happened in 20 years. I'll take every other year. You know, that's your line, Weed. You say that. That that horrible when there's five races to go and they're like, he has a 20 point lead, so he'll just get second for the next. No, five no, no, weeks. no, no, not that. It's when people say oh. something and they pick the one example out of 30 years, and you go, yeah, I'll take the other ones. That's that's your that's your line. Sometimes, but I don't. I don't. Uh, okay. Yeah, when people say. Two fast teammates really help each other. Just look at Bailey and Johnson. And I'm like, right. okay, the best example <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can yeah. come up with is 28 years ago? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but I'm going to disagree this time. I'm going to say it doesn't happen often, but the possibility is still there because we have seen it before. Yeah, Lee Broadwell, champion Roadwell. I think I said that already. Uh, Dakota Tedder pulled the whole shot. Dakota Tedder pulled the whole yeah. shot. Yeah. Yeah. Good job on that. Um, again, Ruben was in the main from Mexico. Ruben Alanis from Mexico. JT, did you ever race against Ruben when you did the Legends race with uh, Tortelli and Everts? I don't think so. I may have had a Ruben while I was, you know, in Mexico, mm-hmm. but I don't think I raced a Ruben. Okay. All right. Um, can you explain? Did you all not have anything for Pedro Gonzalez? Oh, yeah. Nothing. They had nothing. We Everett, did not, Tortelli. no. Pedro yep. laid it down over Tortelli, over Everts, Thomas, everybody. Mop the floor with us. <laughs> they did. Um, um, hey, JT, so can you please explain, because um, you've been the sort of the leader of this, Michael Byrne has the keys to a lessee except when he has the keys to the BTO guys? Michael Byrne's a used car salesman. He, he has a lot of keys. Um, <laughs> which ignition he puts those keys into is right. a fluid situation. Uh, he had the keys to Gerke and, and Shorty this weekend. Mm-hmm. He will have the keys to Michael Essie starting tomorrow. Well, he's he's taking care of Chad right now, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird deal. Um, do you think he'll be back? I don't know how much. What do you, think he'll be, do you think he'll be back with the BTO guys this weekend? Do we know? It was kind of a he. Do, he doesn't know yet. Okay. Uh, you know, it was just a trial weekend to see if he could make a big difference. He worked with them on Thursday. And uh, then, obviously, on Saturday. So, he's still helping Michael Essie, as far as I know, pers- on a personal level. Like, during the week? During the week. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, Berner has a lot to offer. And, and he's, you know, people are trying 
to see if he can help. And I know he doesn't have anything locked in for the rest of the year, so we'll see. Could be uh, we, say he could be bouncing around more. I wonder what else he could get the keys to. Pretty interesting. We each maybe he can help. You know, you be a better writer. Keys to the race. Yeah, you get those keys to the race. Um, I mean, he's tight with Emig, so chances are the the eight hundred. Weege has been having sort of a quiet season outside of the first heat race of the year. Well, does that affect the keys? I don't know. I would, I would have to think that if a, I, I, wouldn't you think that if Mike was out there killing it, that uh, Burner would not be allowed to take other sets of keys to other riders? Yeah, probably a good point. Yeah, yeah, you can't right. take. So that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, you can't. I mean, he's had he's had some crap luck. Like he's had what two races, three races were weirdo bike problems. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's maybe a little harsh to judge after six races, but I'd have to think that if Mike well, was top ten every week, Burner wouldn't be wearing anybody else's shirt. Yeah, right I'm now. not saying it, he's having a crappy year. I'm saying he has quiet year. It's quiet year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's hard to say. The luck is weird, and like I've been saying all along these last couple of years, you almost have to restart, re um, have new standards of what a good result is and what a bad result is. There's a lot of good riders, I think, more than there usually is. Season starts. You know, you know my 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 opinion on this is when you're dealing with businessmen who are writing the checks for stuff like this, they, because it's how they do their business, they look at results in a black and white on paper kind of way. And if the yep. results aren't any different, then it's not making a difference. So therefore, why am I spending more money? That may not be yep. fair, but I think that's what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not fair because there's lots of things that go on, but well, yeah, when you're a businessman, it's a profit loss. Call them, yeah. right? That's that's kind of what you're saying. So yeah, if you, yeah, if you look at you know this was the result last year, this is the result this year. Mm-hmm. Hey, great, yeah, you feel better. Everybody's confident that it's working, but I'm seeing the same results. So I'm the one that has to spend this more money. Why am I doing that? Mm. All right. Anything else? Do we wrap? I think we're good on San Diego round. Dallas this weekend. I love Dallas. Dallas is a great press box. Good concessions, awesome uh, jumbotron. Um, yeah, Dallas has it all. I don't like to drive. Here's the problem with Dallas: you either stay by the airport and it's far from the stadium, or you stay by the stadium and it's far to the airport in the morning. Can't have it both ways. You only complain. This is about, uh, first world problems. The only complaint about Dallas in my eyes. That's it. That's that's the only 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 thing. Dallas is a good one. First East Coast. Lot to look forward to. Yeah, so East Coast, I was getting the scoop on Adam Cincirillo from RV and Alden Baker. From Pookie? No, from RV and Baker. Um, RV was, yeah, his typical self. But Baker says, I I don't know if I should say, actually, because maybe maybe that was supposed to be a private conversation. You know? Like I don't, yep. I don't know. Maybe that's supposed to be. Yeah, you don't want to give away. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Can I just say that? Can we, can we get a? Can we get a prediction a week away? Who is going to win the East Coast title? Can I just say that Baker uh, is very excited about Adam? Just everything. Baker. Everything's on point. Everything's looking good, and he's very excited about that. That's all. Um, the East Coast champion of the twenty fourteen. Monster Energy, AMA Supercross Series, and FIM World Championship will be Blake Baggett. 
Yep. Wow. Yep. I know. I know. That's, that's, that's bold. I saw an Instagram. has to be bold. I saw an Instagram video of him today. He looked good. <laughs> he ripped through a corner like no other. So, no, look, I he, I think he's healthy. Mitch says he's healthy. You know, I, I he's the champ. He's a, a proven champion. Not in Supercross, but still. Great team, great bike. I don't see Davalos. I just see Davalos being Davalos. Adam's a rookie. Uh, Bogle, I don't know. Bichelia, rookie. Wharton is Wharton. Um, I didn't think about Jeremy Martin actually. Okay, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of heat on Jeremy Martin, and justifiably. For what do you sure. mean heat? Well, I just mean I think a lot of people are are oh. thinking this could be the guy. Like I, I've heard a lot of that buzz, but justifiably, I'm not saying. I'm not, sometimes we make fun of that. But yeah. In this case, I think it's just fun. What does that uh, Matthews guy think? Yeah, yeah, it might be gnarly if you have to start, you know, giving him credit or something, which I'm sure he's one of these dudes that thinks you do nothing but say bad things. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Absolutely. Always saying negative, always saying negative about everybody all the time. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. so look, I I gave my my champion, um, Weege. Uh, I'm going to be just as bold. Now, I'm going to say that I'm, I'm ready to be proven wrong. I picked Steely to win the West, and I felt very good about that. It might not happen, but I'll still say that I don't regret making that choice. I, I thought he would be good, and he's been good. I don't have that kind of feeling of anybody in the East. Um, but I'm going to be even be bolder than you, perhaps. Whoa. I think Finn Cyrilla can do it. Really? Yes. Uh, okay. All right. Weege? Or, uh, because no, it's no, kind, no, of, kind of for the reasons you ran down. Like, if you look at the East, if you look at the West, there were several guys where you could come up with several reasons each one would win. And I feel like in the East, you can come up with a lot of reasons why each guy maybe wouldn't. That's the problem. Everybody's coming in there with a, yeah, but. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little more wide open. You know, Sealy, Wilson, uh, Anderson, each one of those guys were kind of due at this point. I feel like everybody in the East is like, there's a caveat all around, so maybe that opens the door up for a rookie. Why not? Speaking of due, I'm going with Martin Davalos. Wow. <laughs> Your 2014 East Coast champion, <laughs> Ecuador's finest, Martin Davalos. I, I will light myself on fire in, in front of a live audience in the pits. I'm sure. No, they will light it for you. People will be glad to I'm light sure Blos will, Blos will throw the ceremonial match. Onto me, um, perhaps waffle on that, Mathis. That, waffle that, on that. <laughs> That's bold. That's bold. Um, when Baggett and 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 uh, when Baggett and Davalos are being picked as the favorites, that's my point exactly. Right, right. I, that's the East. I think I, I really, I really want to pick Jeremy Martin. I really do. But Davalos just sounds. So damn good and so bold. It just rolls I off. Look like, I will look like a pure genius if he pulls it off. Uh, but does Ecuador make coffee? I, I think they do. And Who? Ecuador. Oh, I'm sure they did. All those South, all right. those South American countries make coffee. So coffee in, and cocaine. Okay, so in a way, bold. <laughs> bold coffee. Ecuador. Bold. Davalos. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I think for sure, JT... I don't think watching the 250 West series, I don't think you're going to be as angry about the lack of depth and these guys getting uh, national points. I feel like 
I feel like the East, I'm not saying the East is stronger, but I feel like the East is fine. It, it's, it's, I think it's going to be just as bad as it is right this second. What do you, what do you mean? What? I think it's going to be just as bad as the West is right now. As bad? Yeah, the, the back end of the West is really, really bad. Any more than usual, though, you feel? I think that the, there's, there's a good 7 to 10... 250 West guys, and then it gets it gets pretty soft after that. That's my honest opinion. Um, uh-huh. Just from watching, it's mm-hmm. it's not very impressive in the the back end of the 250 class, and I think the East will be just the same. Okay. So. I, yeah, I feel like the West. Um, there have been the LCQs lately. Like I will, I will literally say I don't know anything about any of the guys in the LCQs, and I don't remember ever thinking that before in a race you know yeah. they're they're literally guys here. rolling the whoops rolling the whoops and getting into the main event yeah it's not, it's not good well i know yeah, the, we're, the, we're actually trying to do some research and figure out what has changed here and why that might why that might be why is it becoming more of a have and have not like the top level is really really good right so what's the disconnect well, here uh, the entries are down i don't know if you guys have seen they're only kicking five to seven guys out of the night show. Okay, there might be even something to that. Yeah. Like this is, yeah. And, you know, you cannot discredit uh, there is one factory rider between Yamaha and Suzuki in the West. One. In both brands. Yeah. Two brands that are fairly well, well storied. Especially Suzuki, he just doesn't jam that class. You have a good point there. Yeah. That has Aaron Hansel. Aaron Hansel's been digging deep into this subject. <laughs> well, but we, we did dig deep enough, and then we said, but wait a minute. Which of these privateers would be on the factory Suzuki team if there were one? And then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So is it like guys have left or retired or given up or moved on because the opportunities weren't there? Like, how does. It's not quite that simple. If you I, put Dal, is Dalzell going to be on a factory Suzuki team if they had one? No, Ballzell? Balls out? I think, I personally think that everyone who can possibly somehow bribe AMA Doris to get a 450 license is doing it because the payout is $905 to make the night show versus 250 or whatever the number is. So there's a almost $700 difference per weekend in making the night show. That's my reasoning. I have it right here. It's 905 to 230. There you go. So almost, very close. Almost $700. So you can probably pick three or four decent 450 guys who maybe could have been riding 450s, and suddenly those LCQs have three or four guys you've heard of instead of zero. Jimmy D. Well, I guess he's Well, riding. Jimmy D's racing. Yeah, that's true. So Jimmy he can't D's really – and same thing with uh, Freeze. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. It's a lot. Yeah. You know, but it's that mid-level guy that would never make a yeah. 450 main event that we're talking about. Did you guys see Jimmy, yeah. D, Jimmy D was not happy about not being included in the rookie <clears throat> 450 rookies? Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I'm surprised. There that, was a lot of preseason hype, though. You could understand his anger. I'm surprised that Jimmy D doesn't know that they don't know who he is. That's what I. I there's Fro, Fro said he will talk to his people. Huh? Not his. Not his graphic. I'll talk to my people. Oh, he Fro responded on that. Oh yes. Oh, I did not see that. Okay. Um, they won't need to because he won't be a 450 rookie starting in Dallas because he'll be racing. <laughs> when they come back to Seattle, Dakota's effed. 
<laughs> oh, we forgot. Because no we... one will remember. No one will remember. Um, <laughs> all right. BTOsports.com. Proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM team. And they have everything you need for your biker body. And if you use the code PulpMex, you'll save yourself money. And they've been sponsoring uh, this show for a long time. And they make a ton of people happy every day with quality service and quality parts. And, of course, the uh, Racer X podcast uh, presented by Fox Racing, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, JT. Continuing relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate, JT. They check out the full line of 2014 products, JT. Including never Inst- heard of them. Instinct Boot. You've never heard of Fox Racing? No. Is that that weird, like, animal thing? No, they make gear. Uh, Brian Dungey wears it. Uh, Ken Roxon. Oh, yeah, I, I, I see it. Yeah, I guess I should have never heard of it. I, I see it. I just didn't know what it was. Bradshaw, chicken. Uh, he wore Axel, I thought. <laughs> V4 helmet, airspace performance goggle. I like it, JT. I like it. Never never surrender. Uh, 360 race where to fit adult and youth riders alike. For more information, check out foxhead.com or visit your local authorized Fox dealer. Weeds, JT, thank you. San Diego breakdown. Thanks a lot, guys, and uh, we will see you. You'll both be in Dallas. I, I assume yeah. I, I will meet you guys at the pulled pork concession in between sessions one and two. Okay. <laughs> this has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. 
I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled kick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years go by.